0: What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the Windchill Factor podcast. This is the Built in Buffalo podcast network. I am your host, Justice General, and I have two very, 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 very special guests with me. Two uh, really good friends of mine. I absolutely love these guys' content. You know, the, these guys are part of the reason that, that makes this this whole thing fun. You know, just being in the Bills community and doing all the content and media. Uh, you know, my, my man, I got my man, Vince Taylor here. And then also, you know, my guy, uh, someone who we've actually done Vince's podcast. So this is funny. Um, my guy, uh, Jeremy, how you guys doing?
1: I'm hey, good. Justice. How are you guys? <laughs> I'm sorry. That
0: was my fault. I, sh- I should have. Vince, how you doing, bro?
1: <laughs> I'm doing really well. Hey, thank you guys. Both of you for picking up the slack for me being a lazy bum last week. And I, I really appreciate that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, we obviously hit it off really good because we're right back uh, chatting up again. So that was a good time.
0: Absolutely, I had a blast. And Vince, that 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 has to be branding because you are like far from like lazy. But okay, I I understand. I, I get it. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're we're gonna jump right in uh, into things. Um, actually, Jeremy just just brought up a pretty interesting topic that I, I do want to delve into. Uh, he asked if if there was anybody who possibly somewhere in the realm of possibility could make the Josh Allen jump I am branding that, that's mine from now on I don't know if anybody said that before but I'm definitely going to use that from now on the Josh Allen jump Uh, anybody on this roster specifically Jeremy, who, who do you think could make it if you had to put money on someone?
2: Yeah, so our thing was, uh, you know, Max and I first said, like, who, what, what's the criteria first off, and um, you know, it's just somebody who's coming off of a, a year where you know their expectations maybe like aren't quite met yet, and um, and and you know, it's like, can they make a jump to a possible? Uh, I don't know if MVP caliber is is too much of a stretch because I mean, let's be honest, it's mostly like a quarterback award um so if not mvp caller but a offensive or defensive like player of the year award you know again if we're talking about a josh allen type leap because that's what he did he went from you know just okay in 2019 uh to like the the runner up for the mvp award so um so we're trying to think you know who who meets that criteria uh i personally the first thing I thought is like I, I'm shutting down any like Devin Singletary talk, talk, you know, because, you know, he actually had a, I think a good rookie season. He missed a couple of games. Um, and I think he just needs to get back to that level. If he can get back to there, like that's, that's fine. Um, but other ones, you know, I think Dawson Knox is a very popular candidate. Um, he's had a, a bit of a slow ascension. He was kind of plagued with like injuries and stuff in his, uh, Second year, um, but he's also you know he's he plays he's a tight end, which is like the most difficult um, uh, position to play in the NFL, or the easiest if you're a very bad wide receiver and you're looking to make a change. Um, so you know it depends on how you look at it. Uh, so you know Dawson Knox was a I think a candidate. um I think uh, Max threw out a, a name like A.J. Epinesa, and I think even Ed Oliver is a, another one. So those are a couple of names we tossed around. I'm curious to hear your guys's opinions and who do you think?
0: Yeah. Vince, who do you, who do you think could, could be next up?
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off from Jeremy and what he said earlier. Like it's probably not going to happen to have a Josh Allen size jump, but who's going to make, it's certainly very possible and very likely that somebody on the team makes a good jump like he's jeremy seems like he's down on on singletary um i'm not necessarily down on singletary like i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that singletary can show up and end up being the guy is it likely maybe not. but
2: i want to say i'm not down on him i just that's not a player that i think he's at a level where he needs to like come back like he had a a down year then you can blame like the run blocking and i'm just saying if he can just get back to his rookie season which i think is good like that's fine i'm not expecting like uh, you know christian mccaffrey type statistics from him um, like I, I just don't i guess my expectations for him and just the running backs in general i'm not looking someone at-
0: that was like perceived as like a bad player and then they make the jump to being a good player is what you mean but there Singletary at- was already somewhat known as a good player already
2: Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I was just saying, if he can just revert back to his rookie year, that's good enough for me. Um, I I wouldn't really like with our running back room, obviously, I don't think you're going to see, you know, we have like a a committee style running back room. I think that's what we're going to see with him and Moss. So I don't think you can expect them to really be in like contention for any awards, because I think they're going to be carrying the load unless, you know, one of them is just taking really good advantage of their snaps and just, you know, blowing it out of the water. Um, if anything, I'm trying to take the stress off of Singletary. Like leave Singletary alone. Let's get the run blocking back up and let's just get him back up to like I said, if he can get back to his rookie performance, cool. Um, if anything, I'd say let's put that pressure on somebody else. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with all that. I, I might go as far I'm gonna say this and maybe I'll get some pushback, but Jerry Hughes. Um, we know about how often he beats his block and how many pressures he gets, but if he starts closing a couple of those pressures in the sacks, is that the jump that we're looking for? And maybe that piggybacks off from guys like Ed Oliver and Epineza taking a step, right? Cause I feel like right now, Jerry Hughes just scares the quarterback over to the other side of the field and he makes a pass and there's nobody there for him. But if the pocket's being collapsed on both sides and Epineza's is doing his job or Ed Oliver's doing his job, then maybe we can start seeing a few more sacks out of Jerry.
2: Justice, I don't know if you're talking, but you're muted. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was
0: muted for a second. Um, I, So if I'm, all right, so Jeremy, I think this kind of just like sums up your question a little bit is basically so like the how Josh Allen's perception was, right? He was known as his rookie year. He was like this awful, terrible couldn't survive in the NFL quarterback is if, if you let the media tell you in any, and then um, second year, he was a quote unquote below average player. He probably shouldn't be a quarterback in the NFL or whatever, you know, people were saying, but then this year, he kind of just closed the gap between him and the best quarterback in the league, like drastically. So that type of jump is, is pretty unprecedented. So, uh, I, th- I think I would uh have be inclined to agree with both of you gentlemen. Uh, but if I had to pick someone, I would say Tyler Bass, you know. Um Tyler Bass was awful <laughs> to, to begin. Like he was terrible, like he missed some really, really bad looking field goals, like they just looked bad, you know, aesthetically. And um Then, you know, he got better and he actually became quite reliable, Uh, but then he had a few hiccups. So I'm thinking, you know, this kid has this booming leg, you know, what if he just turns into the best kicker in the league? Like, what if he's the, the new age Justin Tucker with a stronger leg and, you know, he's the most reliable guy there is, you know, like. I think that he has that potential. You know, I, I really like Tyler Bass, and I think that he could be the Josh Allen of kickers. Honestly, i
1: I kind of think he's already there. Now he started out really slow, and he had his first couple of games and. and, and Forgive me because I'm trying to talk off the top of my head and I don't remember, uh, but I feel like you know the first two or three games he missed some easy kicks and there was a lot of questions like we didn't have a preseason last year. He didn't have a chance to go out there and, and kick in a preseason game, so we didn't really have a feel for him. I was a little bit worried. I was like, ooh, this isn't good. He's a rookie kicker in the NFL. Uh, I know he's got a big leg, but it doesn't really mean much if you're not accurate, but then I feel like he turned it around. And then that one game you have where he hit five fifty 50 yards, I think Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, but for, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, I, I, kind of feel like he's already there.
2: Yeah. I, uh, yeah, sorry, Jessica to disagree. I don't think he was you know horrible. I know he missed two, um, in our jets game. And even one of those was like arguable, even like the, the commentators were showing the replay and they said, I don't know. I think this one, like it, it could have gone either way um and then after that like you said justice he really came on and was and was pretty solid um you know he made those like multiple 50 yarders in the cardinals game and then i think he missed like a 60 something yarder but it was like i think it was like right before halftime and we just time permitted and they just said hey you know what give it a shot like who cares and so he missed that one which is understandable um and then i feel like he missed one or two later in the season but they weren't really ones that where the game was on the line and it was a big deal but um but yeah, so I, I kinda of, uh lean towards the I think he's doing he's he's almost there. But this I do think this year is gonna test him though, because now he's going to be going into stadiums with uh you know, that are allowing a hundred percent capacity. And I don't know if that difference in noise is going to add more pressure. I think it's like it's like another um level he's gonna have to complete as far as pressure goes because he only had to deal with like 25 to 50 capacity like in his rookie season now he's gonna have to get used to playing at 100
0: yeah and i i agree with you guys when when i say horrible i didn't mean like he was a bad player or anything like that i kind of mean just based off of perception you know so if you would have asked the average nfl fan after week one or two about Tyler Bass, they would probably say, oh, this guy's awful. You know what I mean? He's a rookie kicker. He's missing like chip shots and all this other stuff. Um, just like they would for Josh Allen. You know, if you didn't actually watch Josh' Josh's rookie year and see, you know, the type of stuff he was doing with no help at all, you would, look at the numbers and say, oh, he's a bad player, Mm -hmm. you know. So so that's just what I mean. I'm basically talking about perception. And even still with Tyler Bass, you know, we all feel like he's a good player, but if you ask the average NFL fan, they probably don't really know who Tyler Bass is or how good he could be. So the perception of him still isn't, you know, that of the top company, you know. Um, So I feel like this year he could – Put himself up in that upper echelon of company as, as far as uh household names so that's that's what i mean when i'm speaking to the percept or yes the perception of these players and the quote unquote josh allen jump
2: yeah i remember uh that week one you know when he missed those like two field goals i remember going into twitter and i, I pretty much avoid twitter during games now but uh i remember signing in one of the first thing i was I seen people saying cut him get rid of him like Get rid of Tyler yeah, Bass now. exactly. So, like, you, you're right. Like, there was some perception at the beginning. He definitely caused some anxiety. And it, and it took a while, I think, because of that first game. Like, the first half of the season, whenever he was going out to kick a field goal, you probably, like, I think we were all maybe, like, holding our breath a little bit. I don't know about you, Vince. I know I kind of was. Yeah. But then he definitely, sure. like, like you said, he, he came on and, and became pretty solid.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited about Tyler Bass. And honestly, I thought that Corey Bohurkis was also going to be another, you know, type of player in that realm of guys who started and, you know, had some pretty bad looks, you know, um, to begin, but then got pretty consistent and then ultimately got really good. Um, And I I think that just kind of speaks to the coaching staff in Buffalo and the development that they put behind players, um, which is, why i'm so confident in you know a lot of these guys that really haven't necessarily probably earned any benefit of the doubt but i'm taking their raw sheer physical ability and then saying okay they they're being developed by the guys over there in orchard park and i'm very confident in that that's why i look at guys like basham and russo and and dawson knox and I get really, really excited because I feel like they will reach their full potential at some point.
2: I, I'm i kind of glad that you mentioned Corey Bohorquez because I always thought like Bajorquez was the like punter counterpart to Josh Allen. Um, like Josh Allen, had like, you know, that he was like an athlete, he had, like a strong arm, but had accuracy issues. And Bajorquez has like a powerful leg, but he was also inconsistent.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: And then, you know, he almost kind of like in the punters world, you can't do a whole lot, but he almost made like a Josh Allen type jump because he was not his rookie year. I mean, I think he got injured. So he, he left, we lost him for most of the season, his second season. Like, you know, he showed flashes, but he had some pretty poor kicks as well. And then his third year this past year, I think he, um, I think he made like, had like a historic, Uh, Historical, like, statistic was something I think was like average, like, punt yards or something, yards per punt or something like that. Yeah. So, like, in the punters world, like, but has kind of made a Josh Allen type jump. And, um, I'm kind of bummed that we didn't bring him back. Uh, I had to look the other day. I I guess he signed with the Rams. Um, and I believe he's from California. So, I think maybe he just wanted to go back and be there. But, um, I'm kind of bummed for if, If you want to talk about punters, that's like one of the position groups that I'm a little nervous heading into this season. But uh, I don't want to get us off topic or anything. But no, you're fine. Like I said,
0: this is a conversation. We can definitely go into that. the The way I feel about punters is, I feel like yes, Corey was very talented. Is very talented, and he could he would have made our team better this year. I think there's no doubt. Like there was times where I've seen him punt. Put guys literally at the two yard line. You know what I mean. So, um, I do wish we had Corey back. However, I know
1: how Brandon Bean operates, and I don't think he would have given Corey anything that was less than
0: fair. Mm -hmm. And I don't quite know the schematics of what happened and the deal and why he couldn't come back or whatever. But I maybe maybe to a fault. But I do trust Brandon Bean, and I feel like Brandon Bean was probably doing whatever it took that was best for everybody involved. And I don't know, just uh, my inkling is that maybe Corey wanted to cash out, which is well within his rights of. He had a great season. But at the same time, our quarterback had more total touchdowns or was responsible for more total touchdowns than you than times you even punted the ball this year.
1: Yeah. You
0: know what I mean? You had a great season, but you were bottom two punters in attempts. You didn't really have to do it that many times, so I, so when you rarely did have to do it, you had to go out there and hit one, you know, field flipping punt, and which to your credit you did. Um, but I, I'm not really sure what happened behind the scenes there. I do wish he could have been back, but uh, I'm, I'm still confident in first of all our special teams. Whoever that coach is, I, I forget his name at the moment. That guy, he's Farwell, uh, he's incredible. Far well? he's incredible incredible. So I, I
1: have, I
0: have a uh, faith in him. Yeah.
1: Um, he didn't even qualify for like league leading statistics because he was just used so infrequently. Like, yeah. was there, is there a better gig in the NFL than being poor Corey before last year? Like you yeah, just go exactly. hit that 50 yarder, go hit the bench, get a plate of nachos and just enjoy your day. Uh,
2: I always, I tell my wife, I was like, <laughs> if I could go back and do it over again, I would just be kicking footballs my entire childhood and that that would be my dream. I'm like, I want to be a punter. That's it. They make millions. Why yeah, not make a, at least a million dollars? But I pulled it when up a Super Bowl um, ring. Like, I wanted to mention though, Brandon Bean, I believe, did say that they just had an issue with getting a long term deal with Bahorquez. I guess he didn't want to do a long term. Like I said, I think he just wanted to be back in California, close to his uh, home. But um, we were actually paying Matt Hawk more a month than but Jorge is getting paid for the Rams. He signed a one year deal. It was, it said 1 million 20,000. That's all he signed for the Rams. And we're paying Matt Hawk, uh, between 1.5 and 2 million over these next three years. And, um, like a, just, i remember never seen
1: that. I thought that was odd. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I think it's weird that, you know, since McBean has been around, you know, these last couple of years that I can think about, they've gone into training camp with a couple punters and they're always seen that there was like, you know, going to be a competition and this year, it, we have one guy, and it's like, he's got the job. That's it. And I'm a, I'm a little bummed that, you know, this guy was just given the job. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Kevin Gerard. I don't know if he's saying that. He's with the Buffalo Fanatics. He's a Miami Dolphins fan. But, you know, Matt Hawk came from Miami, so we asked him, like, hey, what kind of guy is this? And um, he basically said, well, if you read about Matt Hawk, it says he's can be pretty good at pinning people inside the 20, but – he can also be pretty inconsistent at times, but uh, Kevin basically said, you know, he's a he's a decent punter, but he's going to have like a couple bad games per year. So yeah, I think it's weird that it just seems like we're put uh, McBean is just putting all their eggs in that basket, and that's it.
0: Yeah, uh, that's true, and but he he does have that. Uh... Uh, he does bring that to the table. He he has had a couple opportunities for trick plays, and we know how creative our special teams coach is. Uh, and not only that, but it could be the same. Same thing could be said for Corey at a time. You know, he's going to have a couple bad games, and then last year everything kind of came together, and he had a great season. Uh, so, again, maybe the the frequency of barely ever being on the field as a punter you come on once a game, if at all. Um, maybe that will contribute to him being more consistent, just like it did for Corey. Hopefully, at least. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, what are your What are your opinions on this this whole second helmet business? First of all, what, are you guys satisfied with the current white helmet, white face mask? Is that what you guys like? Where, where where you guys at on that uh, journey?
2: Um, I, I love talking uniforms. So even like you know whenever a, a team comes out with a new uniform, I know Max and I would love kind of uh, talking about it. Um, you know when I play Madden, I like to mix and match and do all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, me I, too. I'm the same way on
0: Madden.
2: Yeah, I, I like the white helmets. I, I people say you know how clean they look. I agree. I never understood why the face mask was gray. Um, it's not one of our colors. <laughs> very odd. That was yeah, very odd. it just, that that never, like, it always kind of confused me. Like, I think it looks fine. But, yeah, I always wondered why it was gray when it wasn't one of our colors. Um, the white face mask, I think, is a better choice. Like I said, it's one of our colors. Um, I'd be interested to see maybe what, like, a blue face mask looks like. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're just going to go with white this year. It makes sense. And then as far as... Um, the new helmet rule, I am really happy about that. Um, not only because, you know, you can do the throwbacks. We can see the red helmets from those early 90s. But I also think it would just be cool to have an alternate helmet and that being a red one to go with every now and then. Because, again, I know white is clean, but I think red is kind of bold. And I like that. I like how it kind of breaks up the uh, the color scheme. So I like them both. And I'm, I'm happy that we can start or we have the possibility to start seeing the red ones next season.
1: I say get rid of all the white ones, go straight to the reds, only reds. And I don't care about what color face mask it is. Cause I can't really tell when I'm watching TV anyway. Mm. Um, but I, I think the reds, yeah, there's some nostalgia to it, but I saw a post the other day and I hadn't thought about this ever at all, but it's a ton, a lot more work for the equipment guys. When you have to maintain another set of jerseys, another set of pants, another set of helmets, Um, so I guess they're kind of maybe a little bit of pushback on that, but I, I had never thought about that, but so my solution is go back to like the 1992 uniforms and everybody just deal with it.
2: I would love to just see the red helmets with our current uniforms. I think that would be awesome with, uh, like a red, like version of like the socks to go with it. Um, but again, I know people love the white. If you, if you get rid of the white helmets and that kind of hinders like the standing Buffalo throwback which i know people like i know you can do like the white standing buffalo on the red but that just doesn't look the same um but yeah I white don't have standing you do
0: buffalo in, in a red helmet
2: yeah i've seen it before i think um no i don't want that yeah that doesn't look good but i mean if, if the equipment guys have an issue i mean they can hire me if the money's right and i'll go help with some, some bills i was I just thinking the same thing
0: i was like uh, you could say that maybe the equipment guys like it's more work or whatever. But for, I don't know. For me, I always thought like uniforms were pretty cool. Like even when I played football in, in high school and college and stuff. Like you know, I was always like I really liked the uniforms and, and dealing with them and whatever the case may be. So I think that'd be a pretty cool gig. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm right there with you, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah so um what about all right let's let's start talking contracts okay first of all i want to ask you guys this out of baker lamar and josh who do you think is going to get paid first
1: to vince hmm i I have to think about this for a minute, uh because obviously the last person to get paid is probably going well, the first person to get paid is gonna get some disadvantage. It'll be you know the two that get paid after them might be getting more money i I guess is possible. um I'm gonna go ahead and say, Josh, I think they're already working on it i don't I don't really know what it's gonna look like. I think spot track by the way, uh Mike Gennetti over there is always really close. But he's he's predicting at the end of this contract, uh, attacking on an average of $42 million a year. And uh, I know that Josh said that he wants to do something that's team-friendly and, and cat-friendly and, and keep us competitive. But I don't know what that really looks like because he hasn't been paid yet. He's still in his rookie contract, and he hasn't got that one big one. My feeling is he's going to try to get all that money maybe in the second and third contracts, maybe that's when he starts giving it back. But I don't, I don't really know anything. I'm just a dumb podcaster.
2: Uh, I kind of want to piggyback off that. When you mention, you know, whoever gets paid first, um, that makes me kind of hope it's Josh, just so we, uh, we kind of force the Browns and the Ravens to <laughs> pay Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield much more um, just because. But And it, it seems like maybe – Josh will um I could see Lamar getting paid maybe next, but definitely before Baker only because Lamar's taken his team to the playoffs each season. Baker kind of had a bit of a sophomore slump, but um obviously, I think if he has another good season, um he'd be next, but yeah i I would lean towards Josh being first as, as well
1: can we talk about Lamar versus? Josh for just a minute. Cause I love this conversation. Um I, you know, you see the posts and you see the Twitter battles over which one's better. And it really makes me so angry because you can add all their cumulative staffs up. But if you're doing that, you're not counting where Josh came from. Remember, he was most like widely regarded as the most raw prospect. And he went to a shitty school. He had shitty, uh, conference no big games like he really almost had to be built from ground zero and lamar was not a finished project either and i don't want to give that impression but there were people who liked lamar better because at least he came from a timing-based offense and he was supposed to be a little bit more nfl ready but lamar's mvp year 2700 passing yards
2: uh, i think it was like more like 31
1: no it was like 2700 passing yards okay
2: um i I would i would say yeah um lamar's a little raw too i know he had like the accuracy hit against him um i I watched a lot of like his highlights because i thought it was very possible you know he was going to be the only quarterback left if we stayed at number 12 and um so i watched a lot of his he was very entertaining and like very fun to watch and he still is he's still that player um you know his accuracy is also Kind of been fixed. I was kind of envious of him like his second year because it just seemed like, you know, the Ravens were using him very well and he kind of got to, uh, you know, his current status much quicker. And I was a little bummed that it took Josh Allen a little bit more time. But um, I mean, if we're talking about Lamar versus Josh, uh, you know, they can both run, they can both throw. But I mean, you know, passing the ball is more efficient. And I think we can't argue that Josh Allen is a better passer. Um, so that's what, that's what I would want. If we're I'm talking not, about the contact comparison, I'm
1: nodding my head very, very viciously at you. Um, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. And you were right. Uh, he, it was more like 32 in his MVP year. That was his last year's stat. So I apologize.
0: Um, I, I feel like this is the perfect example of, of where context is everything in football. You know what I mean? Because you could look at the numbers and you could say, oh, OK, Lamar Jackson has the better career numbers. That's quite obvious. Right. But then you ask yourself why is because Lamar Jackson went to a team that was already developed, uh, had already had their head coach in place for a, a while, and that head coach had won a Super Bowl there. So he was pretty much in demand of everything he wanted to do. Um, and they had a head coaching, or I'm sorry, a offensive coordinator in Greg Roman, who was a mastermind at running the football. And they built an offense around him from the jump. You know, he sat behind Flacco, but we all knew it was written in the stars. Uh, And then as soon as he came in, much like Patrick Mahomes, he was in the perfect situation for him. And he took advantage of it. Kudos to him. And there's nothing against him. Uh, Josh came in and you could argue that Josh was, was a raw prospect. He definitely was. Uh, but even with all the talent packed into that one player, he had nothing around him. There was nothing to show for it at all. Uh, our office of coordinator was a, a rookie as well. This was his first opportunity in the NFL at the position. And he had to grow just as Josh did. Our head coach was in his second year as a head coach in the NFL. Our our general manager was in his first rookie year. You know, everybody had to learn, and to their credit, they all learned very quickly, Uh, but they still had to learn. You know, like I said, Baltimore, their system was already in place, and Lamar Jackson just fell into their lap, and everything was already where it needed to be. The Bills took a year and a half or so to get there, which is ridiculously quick uh, when you think about it but it's, you know, it's, it still needed to be done, you know, and that, and so th- I think that's the perfect uh, conversation where context matters. Um, but yeah,
1: I, yeah. Brian Dable was not universally well-regarded then as he is now. He was a run first coordinator, you know, and he played on teams like Alabama in college, where basically you have the biggest offensive lineman anywhere. So when we hired him, it was just like, really, we couldn't get a more pass-focused guy. And I know I, I I was never really on the the table train. And late, I guess late in 2019, I was starting to think a little better of him. But I mean, you gave that guy the keys to the kingdom basically, and Josh Allen, and made him responsible in large part for Josh Allen's development. Uh, And that's not to say that there weren't other people along the way that helped, but the offensive coordinator is the biggest part of that. And he wasn't even a good offensive coordinator until he got Josh. So he definitely deserves some recognition for that. And maybe if he doesn't get Josh Allen, he's not thought of the same way as he is today, but uh, he still deserves that credit. I feel
0: like Brian Dayball is kind of in a situation where I, I have every reason to defend him because a, he doesn't put the product on the field you know he doesn't put those players that he has to work with on the field because in his his first year the players he had to work with was you know let's let's be real it was nasty it wasn't very good uh and he he did have Josh but everything around Josh was bad the offensive line was bad the running back was good uh but everything else was was below average and so i can't quite <laughs> that's my, that's my boy, Roscoe. Uh, I can't quite fault him for that And then his the second year, if you pay attention In the very first game when they played the Jets He started out in five wide And they tried the exact same thing that they did this year But they tried it last year And they realized it's not going to work Because we don't have a true number one receiver yet Which they got when they brought in Stephon Diggs And then the offense worked because you had a guy who could you know, man the offense and, and kind of set the tone for everybody else, but unfortunately John Brown couldn't do that. So they they kind of had to deviate and he still ended up putting them in a the position to win 10 games. So uh I'm I'm when I look at it from that perspective, he, excuse me, he had to grow as an offensive coordinator as well. And to his credit, he did it very quickly.
1: Yeah, and, I guess that's maybe kind of what I was saying. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Justice.
2: And uh, I don't know if you guys still have more about Dale, but I, I did kind of want to go back to the uh, the contract talk, if if that's okay with you guys. Absolutely. But um, and I kind of have to talk about the the Patrick Mahomes deal because you know Patrick Mahomes got this ten year deal, and since then I've seen. You know, people kind of talking on Twitter, they automatically think Josh is going to get a similar one. And I I kind of want to start this off and you guys take it from here. I really don't care to see 10-year quarterback contracts become a thing. How about you?
0: You know what? I do. And I'll tell you why. Because the top 1% get that. And Josh deserves that because Josh is the top 1% nobody else is getting that that's a patrick mahomes and josh allen thing if josh is to get that that's them too there's nobody else in the nfl who would trust look at their quarterback and be like i want you for the next 12 years there's nobody else in the nfl that can say that and i I think that josh's talent it, it breeds that type of that type of sentiment it breeds that for you to be able to go look at your quarterback in the eyes and be like, I want you as my quarterback in 2032 or wherever it is. You know what I mean? So that's the only reason I would say that I would like that. But, again, nobody else in the NFL is getting it, so I don't think it would become a thing.
1: Well, we say that now, Um, but let's just say two, three years from now we're not talking about the same thing with Burrow or Herbert. You know so I, I I to Jeremy's point, like I can see where that is going to become a thing because you know the salary cap hit of fifty million dollars for Patrick Mahomes this year would be ridiculous. But the seventh, eighth, nine year when the salary cap level was, I don't know, three hundred and fifty million, is not as hard to swallow. So um, I think that's why they did it. And I, I do can I can kind of see where teams will make that kind of uh investment in some folks like Justin Herbert.
2: Yeah, I mean if it's I guess as long as it's structured it doesn't matter because uh Mahomes is ten years, but I've heard people saying that it's nothing is guaranteed after like the fourth year or something like that. So it's almost it's a ten year, but it's, it's almost like a glorified four or five year contract. Um but I guess it still gives the team control if they want to keep exercising it. Um, I can't help but think of, you know, Cam Newton because he was, you know, he won the MVP one year and then (laughs) five years later, he's getting signed for like the base minimum and he just doesn't look the same. Now I'm not saying I'm worried about that happening to Josh, but it's, you know, it's something like that's always would always be in the back of my head. So I just always feel like just stick with the usual, like, you know, three, four, five years, and then just keep adding on as you need to. But yeah, like I said, I've seen people say, no, give them a seven-year contract and do that. It's almost like it has – I know it's almost like bragging rights, I guess. Like, oh, our quarterback has a 10-year contract. Ours has a seven. Like, who cares? (laughs) I don't really care about that. Well,
1: those final years of the contract, I mean, I – can't think off top of my head or any of those really ever get seen as they're written the first time they always get renegotiated and ripped up and and redone anyway Mm -hmm.
0: even the seven-year deals you know like the last four through three or four years is like basically non-existent um but that's that's kind of what i mean though like even if josh did get a 10 12 year deal or whatever uh first of all most of the years would wouldn't really matter ultimately uh at least in the grand scheme of that particular contract. And then also I kind of think that the Bakers, the Deshaun Watsons, the uh, Lamar Jacksons, uh, Sam Darnold's. I think that those guys are going to still get the five, seven year five, what do you know, that type of deal. So I don't really think that when it's time for Burrow and, and, and uh, Lawrence and guys like that to get paid that, the 10-year deal is it's gonna be like a, a thing you know what I mean so I guess I'm just more of the mindset that that the, the the those people will probably stick to the the basics I guess so I guess we'll see but uh yeah I so I guess I I said that who's gonna get paid first now I want to ask the question of who do you think deserves to get paid first Jeremy
2: Um, I mean, you know what Josh is like, he had his MVP year, but he was nothing close to first two. um, Lamar has been a little more consistent. Baker has been, I'm not, uh, Baker had a sophomore slump, but I know he had his rookie year, rookie year, but I don't know. Um, but who deserves to get paid first? I think it's between Lamar and Josh, you know, they've both had. MVP caliber seasons. Um, You could almost say Lamar because he added, you know, his first, he got there earlier. Um, So if you're, if you're going to go off of like statistics and I guess like the timeline, I would almost say Lamar deserves to get paid first. Um, You guys disagree with that? Actually, I
0: very much so agree. I think that Lamar deserves to get paid first. And honestly, I'd, I'd be okay if we signed Josh this year but mm-hmm.
2: I really think it's it like, would just be so funny if we signed Josh first and then Cleveland was forced to pay Baker more like, than that because strong. of that yeah yeah you think that like if we paid Josh first and then Baker was next do you think he would he would fight to get more money than whatever Josh absolutely and yeah. well,
0: like an xavier Howard <laughs>
2: Sammy Howard
0: is crazy. That was ridiculous.
2: I think Cleveland, everybody outside of Cleveland, if you know, except for Baker stands would have to just laugh at Cleveland if they were paying him more. And I mean, he's not a bad quarterback. Um, like I said, I know he had a good rookie year. He came in more pro ready, but I, I kind of look at, you know, this quarterback's best year versus the other quarterback's best year. And Josh Allen's best year has been way better than what, uh, Baker's kind of has been able to do um so yeah I, I just think it'd be very entertaining if we got them to, to pay Baker Mayfield more. I think,
0: I think Cleveland first of all to somebody in some universe well, for whatever reason Baker is more marketable than Josh which is very odd because I feel like Josh is super marketable but that's just me anyway Baker is more marketable than Josh and because of that Cleveland Will pay Baker. um, I I feel like they would give him more money to show him like we believe in you. You're our guy, you know, and you can be the best quarterback in the league. You can be just like Josh Allen. So we're going to give you more money than Josh Allen so that you feel like your value is higher so that you go out there and hopefully play like your value is higher. I can see Cleveland doing that, especially because of the emotional attachment they have to Baker based on them basically being winless like the previous two years. And then, you know, looking like a formidable team with him under center
1: Mm
0: of the week. I'll I'll know he's obviously not as talented. But what about you, Vince?
1: They're going to overpay for him no matter what because – And I like Baker maybe more than most people. I don't want to – he's not a top 10 guy, but I think he's maybe like that 12-ish range. And he's pretty good. Now, Mm -hmm. he's not elite, and he has a good team around him. And I I honestly think the Browns are probably the team that might be the second best in the AFC this year. Um but it's not necessarily because of Baker. It's because of all the stuff that he has around him. And I think that he's going to end up getting overpaid maybe in in some degree because of that. And, of course, his draft status and everything else. But, I mean, if you're talking – if you had to give somebody a $40 million a year contract, would you rather give one to Baker or would you rather give one to Josh? Josh, hands down. But Baker's going to get something close to that. And to your point, Jeremy, it's going to be kind of funny.
2: Yeah. But you're right, like um, Vince. If, if, you know, if he's not a top 10, if he's a 12-ish – you definitely you re-sign that quarterback because it's it's an important position and you can't you know you can't just like ah oh, we'll we'll see what we get in free agency or the draft yeah. they don't grow on trees
1: they don't yeah, grow on trees
2: because the Browns are not going to get a top ten pick and who knows if they want to you know turn out the farm to get up to the number one overall again so like like you said he's going to get paid and you should pay a quarterback who's um, you know ranking that high hey Vince. So you just said
0: that the Browns are the second best team in the AFC. Second best
1: behind who? Well, the Chiefs.
0: So you think they're better than the Bills?
1: I do. Who,
0: with okay. Right now, preseason, seven seed playoff rankings, who are your seven teams
1: in the AFC? Chiefs, Browns, Bills. Um Colts, hmm. Ravens, Titans, Chargers, in some order.
2: That's not a bad list. What about you, Jeremy? Um, I don't pay a, a whole lot of attention to other teams outside of the Bills, to be honest with you. But my list I would I would agree with Vince, like honestly, probably very much those same teams. I don't think he really left anybody out. Um, the Titans will be interesting. Uh but again, I, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to them. But I, I hear people say that they're very top heavy. Their defense is not very good. Um, they got some good offensive weapons, but the depth behind it is poor. Again, I'm just repeating what I've heard because, like I said, I don't pay a whole lot of attention. But yeah, I very much agree with Vince's list. Um, for him to say that the Bills are or the che- or the Browns are better than the Bills, I think that is an interesting take. I think it could be close, but. Um, Again, I think we have the better quarterback. I think Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs' chemistry was way better than uh, Bakers and um, OBJ. Um, with Emmanuel Sanders, I think he could arguably be better than their number two in Jarvis Landry. Um, but yeah, I think that could be close, but I don't know if I would say the Browns are that much better. It would be, it'd be interesting to watch, um, definitely these AFC teams, to see how they do this season.
1: I think they did more to improve than we did. I think they got they got better. If you remember they actually played the Chiefs a lot closer than we did too. So they have they a much better defensive line. Um you know, they got JOK, they mm-hmm. got uh Newsom, you know. So I
2: Yeah, it's, it's I hard for their, me to
1: say that they're they're not going to be right there.
2: And, yeah, I do agree when you say they they did get better. Um I think the only improvements we really made on the defensive side was uh in our defensive end room. Um So I agree with you there. Um, Yeah. Okay. So
0: here's where I'm at with it, right? I want to ask you both a question. Why did the bills go 13 and three last year? Like what was the, the main reason?
2: Uh, Offense.
1: Josh.
0: Specifically Josh Allen, right? Now, we know that Baker is, is not even remotely as talented as Josh. So Josh being Josh being brought back into the same exact offense. We said, you know, without John Brown, instead with, oh, Emmanuel Sanders, Super Bowl champion. Do we think that that. Is improving, getting the same, or getting worse? How do you guys feel about that?
2: Can you say it one more time? I'm sorry. So Josh Allen being
0: pretty much, we all agree the, the pretty much the the sole reason we went 13 and three as a team last year should have been 14 and two. But then him being brought back into the same exact situation, everybody's still there. You know, you got everybody who knows the playbook. Everybody is growing in the offense. You have the ultimate continuity. Do you think that that makes the Bills better, the same, or
1: worse? I I don't know that it's making a ton of difference to me. If you, I mean, Josh Allen's great, and we all love Josh Allen. And, and of course, our offense is, you know, record-breaking last year. But why couldn't we beat the Chiefs?
0: Defensive line, which we drafted.
1: Well, did we get difference makers, or did we get guys that were hoping to become difference makers?
0: Well, it, it can be argued that you're just hoping that all rookies become different makers, difference makers.
2: There is a lot of hope. Um, I know, Justice, you said the uh, the Chiefs. Well, it was all about pressure. I mean, we couldn't pressure Pat Mahomes, like he got pressured in the Super Bowl. Um, we did pressure him. We just couldn't get to him.
0: That was the problem.
2: Right. But And the the Chiefs were pressuring Josh Allen for sure. Very like he bad. Was definitely, he was running a lot. Um, so that makes me go back to think, like, okay, did our offensive line get better? Not really. We're bringing back pretty much the same offensive line. The only thing is um, it wasn't the offensive line we intended to have. We had Cody Ford get injured. We had uh, John Feliciano for only half. We were we had to we had to play with Brian Winters. I mean, we should have got yeah, a comp, was, we should have got bad. a comp pick for that just for, just for signing Brian. him. Yeah, we should have got a <laughs> comp pick just for having to put Brian Absolutely. Winters in our offensive line. Um, so I think you know can we beat the Chiefs? There's a lot of hope that we have. Um, we got to hope that the continuity with the our intended offensive line um, helps us, and then we got to. Uh, I think our wide receivers. I think our, I think our offense can be better with uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders is a bit of an upgrade over John Brown. Um, I think our tight end room can get better with uh, Knox taking a jump and Hollister. And then on the defensive side of the ball, like you said, we we hope these guys can be defensive or can be um, difference makers. Last year, really our only defensive ends were like Hughes and Addison for the most part because we yeah. had. We had uh, Trent Murphy, who was a healthy scratch sometimes. So when he was playing, that just shows you how much of an effect he was having because there was games where we really? just gave him the day off. Um, Epinesa had a really slow start. Um, and then Daryl Johnson is mostly on this team for special teams. So I feel like our defensive end room was mostly just those two guys. And then this year, we have Rousseau, we have Bastrom, we have a second-year Epinesa, and if F.A. Obata makes a team – um, I think that's going to just help that room overall in general. So it's, it's very much the same on both sides of the ball, like, uh, just like you said, but with a good chance for, for everything to be like better. How much better? We don't know. Um, but not only does that have to be better, but like you said, uh, Vince, you know, how come we can beat the Chiefs? I think I'm not the person to talk about this, but I think like the game plan and, you know, goes into it because how are we just letting, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey just catch all over us when that's like the two things you need to be focused on. So Kelsey could have lit up
1: a cigarette waiting in the end zone, like just stand there, wait for the ball to come to him. And it's just, that was, it was really bad.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like Brandon mean took a look at his team last year and said, okay, what is my biggest weakness? And he came to the conclusion that it was on both sides of the ball, the, the line, the trenches where the game is won. The trenches were the weak spots on offensive line and defensive line. Now, you say, hmm, if my trenches are both the weak spots, how am I? How do I have a 13-3? and Take a look and you say, okay, well, it's quite obviously the quarterback who's top 1% in the NFL, right? And you say, okay, I'm going to go into the draft. I am going to draft basically all linemen. All big athletic beefy uh you know guys who just make our line more formidable, you know. You you bring in guys like FA Obata. you, you give AJ Epinesa essentially a red shirt, you get him the weight you want him, you get him uh the training you need to, to have, you get him everything, you get back a Star Lutole, who I mean, let's just be objective. He looks like he's doing very well for himself, right? He, he looks in shape. He looks healthy. He looks like he's ready to come back. And you just need him to eat up double teams. You don't need specifically any, you know, on on paper production from Starlet to the late. But you need him to be able to, uh, you know, close gaps so that his linebackers can can plug up holes and, and make tackles. Mm-hmm. You put him back in the one tank, you have Ed Oliver who came on last year as a guy who was, wasn't was in the correct position. But now he is in the correct position and he's gotten better. I can't see too many guards blocking Ed Oliver 101 realistically this year. There there may be a couple who he may have a stalemate with or maybe might but I think for the most part, Ed Oliver is going to have his way with most guards in the NFL. So I really think that the defensive line is is a completely different situation. Even also offensive line, excuse me, you're bringing in, like I said, bigger, more athletic guys really change the way your line looks. You know, iron sharpens iron. I think all of that is going to be huge in training camp and in the preseason. I think all of that is going to be huge as far as the development of both the offensive and defensive line. Because your skilled players are fine. You bring back your linebackers. You got, you know, I, they didn't really touch the quarterback two position. So that lead, Dan Jackson is a lot better than, than maybe we, we think he is, hopefully. But in any case, they beefed up both sides of the ball. And, and that was objectively our weakest spot. So I think that it's, it's a completely different situation this year. We just have to wait to see how that plays out.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Vince, did you have anything to, to say to that?
1: Um, I mean, all we can do is wait and see. But, you know, the offensive line – you know, we drafted those two guys who are both tackles. I mean, how many tackles can you have on the field at once? Uh, I don't think it's likely that you're changing those guys in the guards. And, you know, we can talk about, well, the the projected starters from last year didn't have much time together, but what is that really worth? Like, it's not, it's non-zero, but does that make you go from, you know, one of the worst blocking run teams to, to middle of the pack? Like, I, I don't know what that's really worth with the same crew, basically from last year on the interior. Cause they weren't very good. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know Ike Butker got better, um, as year went on, uh, John Feliciano, I feel like gets a lot of, what's the word I feel like he, he's a lot of people like him because of his attitude and his personality. And it's way more than what he actually does on the field. Um, I kind of hope that, wish that we had, like, let him walk and maybe drafted somebody else, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, and then as far as, like, the trenches go on the offensive side of the ball, we drafted two tackles who are probably, you know, if everybody's healthy, they're not going to play. Um, maybe Spencer Brown comes in if it's, like, a fourth quarter and we're blowing them out, and it's like, hey, let's get this, the young guy some reps. Um, Tommy Doyle, as a fifth-round pick, may never see the field in a – in a regular season game so um yeah like i said as far as that goes the offensive line we're it's really we're all just banking on the the continuity and i do agree Vince, like how much better is that going to make us it, it goes back to what just said we just gotta wait and see we're all just kind of putting our eggs into the hope basket yeah definitely that's for sure
0: but i i do know that there is some precedent to the continuity working like uh, the 2016 team, the offensive line was absolutely awful, and uh, the 2017 team, we were one of the top running, you know, teams, and uh, the running game was the reason we made the playoffs that year. So, uh, it, it, I've seen it happen before, and I guess that's just, you know, where my hope comes from is seeing continuity happen again having all the trust in the world in Brandon Bean because until he gives me a reason not to trust him, I will. Um and then also in Sean McDermott because you know he, he he's made some mistakes sometimes, but for the most part he's uh he's he's a damn good coach. So I again just I just I just have I don't know, maybe to a fault, but I do have a lot of faith in those guys and in Josh, of course.
1: Trust the process, Justice. Trust the process. And if you question it, then you're not a real fan.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm all for healthy debate.
2: Yeah. I think it's so, um, it, it, what's the word? it's kind of irritating in that that fan out there when you throw out like questions and debates and stuff and they just respond with trust the process like like that's just their go to when they don't have like a response like come on like
1: yeah i can't stand that guy like then yeah. what are you doing here what are you doing here right. get out
2: of- yeah you just got to trust the process you got to trust got to trust mcbean and you know just to say yeah like they've they've earned some trust but i mean like you said they've also made some mistakes um And that you could go like back and forth with that. But again, it's all, all the the eggs seem like they're in the hope basket.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And they have made mistakes too. Uh, I guess for me, it's that I can logically point out in my head, at least um, I can logically point out like, you know, reasons for all of the shortcomings. And then I can look at, maybe what's been going on over the last couple of months or what I, a trend I've noticed from a specific uh, um, position group. And I'll say, okay, I feel like that's trending in the right direction. And and then I'll see maybe some signings or some decisions Brandon Bean would have made. And then I'll couple that with the trend that I've seen. And I'll go, okay, I can see why he might have done that and how that can benefit the team in some type of way. You know what I mean. So for me, it's just just kind of looking at everything as a whole. Uh, I think that the offensive line and defensive line are going to be completely revitalized. Uh, of course, I could be wrong, um, but I, I see a a reasonable, you know, a reasonable, I guess, destination for for them to be, you know. Um, I don't know what exactly I'm trying to say.
1: Well, it. It. We were good last year. We're going to be good again. I'm not calling for yeah. like any major uh, fall-offs. Like, we're not just going to fall off the map. I think the floor for this team, if all the wheels come off, is still 10 wins in the AFC East title. I, I've i never been more confident about that in my life. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm ready to put them in an the AFC Championship game again. Because you remember the playoffs last year? I mean – Taron Johnson doesn't make that pick six. That game could have all fleet could have went another way really easily. Same with the Colts game. So you know, I'm not calling for them to have a, like a major fall off. I'm 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 just not necessarily wanting to put them in the AFC Championship game again.
0: Okay, because yeah, I'm putting them in the Super Bowl. So we need fans like you, Vince, to to you know to tame us guys who are predicting 17 and those Super Bowl champions.
1: I wish I could be that guy, but, uh, maybe I'm scarred from the drought and maybe that has something to do with it, but I try, I do try really hard to be objective as possible. So, uh, there are times when maybe I go a little bit more negative than other folks, but I think there are times when maybe I'm a little bit more positive than folks too. So I try really hard to to be balanced.
2: Yeah, I agree with uh, you, Vince. I say like any of those playoff games could have gone, gone the other way. They were both, both our, uh, playoff victories were one score games. So that easily tells you that they could have gone the other way. I mean, we could have been – we could have lost a wild card game. We could, have, we could have been one and done. We were expecting at least just one victory. Um, so it, it's just very hard to get to the Super Bowl. I think that's definitely our goal, Justice, like you said, but you, you got to be prepared anything can happen. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, I guess I just – I feel like just looking at the NFL historically – that the quarterback matters, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the, that the quarterback is, is going to make something shake if they need to. If you put the right pieces around a specific quarterback, you don't really have to worry about anything else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it's hard getting to the Super Bowl, but I feel like if you have a Peyton Manning, if you have a Tom Brady, if you have a Brett Favre, if you have a Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers, and and I think that now, if you have a Josh Allen, I think you're always going to be in a position to to possibly win it all, or to have the potential to win it all. And I think that that's something that Bills fans are going to have to adjust to. And I think that maybe some people are a little skeptical of it, you know, before it happens. But I guess that's just how it's written in the stars for me. I just feel like josh is going to ascend to that and i think that he has the potential to be better than anybody who's ever done it so i just have a lot of faith in him uh, as you as you guys can see
2: (laughs) yeah i i have faith in josh as well and it's not even um you know i'm just trying to be optimistic he just seems like the kind of person that isn't going to let himself regress um yeah and, and as far as regression goes, I mean, statistically, he may not have the, the stats he did last year, and that might look like a regression, but I don't think that that's going to be a bad thing. Um, he could have less, he could have a couple less passing touchdowns, a couple less, um, you know, yardage and stuff, but still look just as good as I think. But yeah, I, I trust him as well. Like I said, I don't think he will, he's too much of a hard worker and just a baller to let himself regress to a point to where you're just like, whoa, what happened? Yeah, I feel well, like if he has this statistical regression, it'll only be
0: because he's trying to be more efficient. But um, mm-hmm. go ahead, Vince.
1: Well, to Jeremy's point, like name the best quarterbacks that you can think of and go back and look at their 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 stats. Like Aaron Rodgers doesn't have forty touchdowns; he has years where he has twenty five touchdowns. And mm-hmm. is that regression? No, he's still Aaron Rodgers, and maybe the games are a little bit different and it doesn't call for him to pass as much, like. I don't know about you guys, but this past year, if it's third and two, I wanted nothing to do with the running play. I was screaming at the television if we hand the ball off because <laughs> I had, I had absolutely zero faith that we were going to pick up a third and two on the ground. I wanted him to pass the ball every single down because I mm-hmm. just had zero faith. And you know, that could mean different stats if the running game picks up at all.
2: Yeah. And that's, and I agree. If the running game does get a little better, maybe that shows looks like his stats go down and it's, and it's not a bad thing. It's like, Hey, his, he didn't have as many passing touchdowns or, or yards, but that's because the running game stacked, stepped up and he didn't have to pass it as much.
0: Yeah. Thank goodness uh, for us finally being able to have a a good football team in Buffalo because it's, it's been far too long. I don't know. Have, were either of you guys around for, for the Super Bowls?
2: I was uh... – from I was between like two and six years old.
1: <laughs> I think I was 11 for the first one.
2: Yeah. I had, I had Very little interest <laughs> at that time.
1: No, I was, I was, I was big. I was still big into the bills and I'm going to tell you something. My dad rooted for all the New York teams. So he rooted for the jets, the giants and the bills. And uh, I was wow. too young to really care or really know that like the bills were the, only the real New York team, but I, I just latched on the bills and I did it because they weren't very good when I was first becoming cognizant of football and I liked the colors. So like when you're like s- fifth and sixth grade and you're talking about your favorite football team and you go the bills and keep in mind, I grew up in upstate New York and the Adirondacks people didn't know who the bills were. They were all like giants fans. And I just, I picked the bills. And uh, you know, later on I realized how bad my dad was for rooting for the jets in the same division and then saying he rooted for all the New York teams. So yeah,
0: that's that's very bizarre. Um <laughs> uh, my I I wasn't a born for the Super Bowls, but you know, my dad pretty much like my first one of my, my earliest pictures that I can remember. I must have been a couple months old. And uh I have on this full Bills sweatsuit. And it's, it's like it's <laughs> so, like that's the earliest picture I can remember of myself, but
1: excellent parenting. Uh, that's good yeah. parenting.
0: Definitely. (laughs) So, uh, you guys experienced the full force of the drought. Like, you guys were pretty much football fans of the Bills when the drought began, I'm assuming then, right?
2: I uh, wasn't paying too much attention because I'm a fan because of my dad. My dad, um, you know, was a Bills fan of me growing up. Um, I didn't have a huge interest, but... (laughs) I knew that they weren't very good for a while because it was one of those, like if the, if they lost and my dad was probably going to be in a bad mood or we could just hear him yelling a lot. So there was a lot of yelling. So I knew they weren't very good for a long time. Um, but yeah, but I, I, I wasn't like super invested at that time, but I did kind of watch with them every now and then and, you know, kind of ask about, you know, certain players and coaches, but yeah, I wasn't heavily invested uh, during the drought.
1: What about you, Vince? Um, yeah, the drought was tough. Like I and I and you guys know me. Like I I start out thinking, ah, oh, we're gonna be bad, and then you get closer to the preseason, and then the week one starts, and you start like talking yourself into it. Like, well, maybe maybe this could be something, and you know, then week one, most years, I'm just like, yeah, fuck this, I'm out of here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the draft was. The draft was rough, or the drought was roughed. Um, you know, I I moved out to Indiana. Cool. I, it was harder for me to follow a lot of Buffalo sports media until I discovered WGR it could be streamed online. Like I discovered that like ten years ago, and uh, yeah.
0: So my reasoning for asking that is, what's it like now? that the Bills are good. Like, is it, because I, I talked to my dad and my dad is just, like, in disbelief. Like, he is such a cautious pessimist. Like, he just thinks the Bills are going to be awful. And, like, he puts himself in a horrible mindset so that the Bills don't do it. And this year I was telling him, I was like, listen, like, they're going to be good. Like, Josh Allen's an MVP kid. And I was telling him this before the season started. He didn't believe me. And uh so, like, him watching it all happen in real time uh was, like, Really surreal for him. So, like for you guys, like experiencing the entire drought, it was it was it like a disbelief watching you know what played out this year.
2: I think we are all in a little disbelief because I don't think anybody's expecting like our offense to be so good. Um, so I think there was that aspect. But when you ask when you ask about you know what it, what it's like, it's honestly kind of parts of me don't like it. I don't like it because it's like you raise the bar so high. Eventually, like the only way to go is down, and I was like, "What if like that that going down is just like a crash or like a spiral, and you just have like a year that's just awful?" Um, so that's that's one thing I, I think about sometimes. Like I almost don't like being so so far on top because it just makes for, for a bigger fall.
1: What if we go to a Super Bowl and lose again? Oh man, that's my
0: biggest. You know what? That's why I was I wouldn't want to say was happy we lost an AFC Championship game, but like. I wasn't, like, devastated because if Tampa would have played the game versus us that they played versus the Chiefs, we would have got destroyed. And that would have been even more painful than, like, losing to the Chiefs in an FC championship game.
2: Yeah, losing to Tom Brady in a Super Bowl would have been.
1: Yeah, that would have been awful. There were fans out there rooting for that. I'm like, no, what are you saying? Have you not been paying attention for the last 20 years? We want no part of Brady at all.
2: <sighs> yeah, I didn't want no part of Brady. And I also just – I didn't want Brady to go to another Super Bowl. I was like, I'm not rooting for this guy. I'm sorry. He doesn't deserve another ring. Um, but, you know, here we are. He got one. And I'm almost glad he uh, he got it over Patrick Mahomes instead of us. Uh, yeah. I was
0: gonna say I, I was perfectly fine with him getting another one as long as Pat didn't get it. Yeah, especially not from the AFC, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, I do want to thank both of you guys for coming on. Uh, this was this was really fun. Uh, yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy, you want to let everybody know where they can find you?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at bff underscore Jeremy, and I uh, co-host the. Buffalo bootleg podcast, my friend Max. And uh, if you haven't heard it, it's really just a silly, goofy <laughs> Bill's podcast. Uh, we try not to be too serious. Um, we try not to be serious at all. Actually, we try to just be completely ridiculous and, and dumb. So if that's uh if you want to, the break from the norm, one uh, of on the, uh, any, wherever podcasts are, you can find us. at the uh, Buffalo bootleg. Awesome. Uh, what about you,
1: Vince? Yeah, I, I recommend the Buffalo bootleg. It's one of my favorite things to listen to when I'm like doing yard work or something. I like to pop that in my earbuds, but, uh, you can find me on Buffalo on the brain on the built in Buffalo network every Monday, same network as Justin justice.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, what about where they can find you on your social media events
1: at podcast Vince.
0: Awesome. Uh, Well, absolutely. And, you know, this is The One Show Factor. We are available to you guys every single Tuesday. Uh, I want to thank both of these gentlemen for their time, uh, their football acumen and knowledge. And, uh, yeah, just just for having a a great conversation. Uh, This is the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening.